25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We've been in an Advent series that I titled The Wonder of Angels. And then Teresa put that together for me. The Wonder of Angels. We've been going through a series saying that Christmas is supernatural. That God penetrates our natural world with his supernatural power to carry out his plan. This verse from 1 Peter 1.12 speaks of things into which angels long to look. So Peter is telling the story of our salvation, of the good news, and he says these are things into which angels long to look. And this motivated me in this series to look through and just read the Gospels and to look at the Christmas story and see it in the light of things into which angels long to look, the wonder of angels. And so we covered in the first week of Advent the angel that appeared to Zechariah. And secondly, we looked uh, at the angel that appeared to Mary. And today we look at the angel that appeared to Joseph. We look and see that and ask this question, why Joseph? Why convince Joseph by an angelic visitation? What's the need to have Joseph a part of the Christmas story and Christmas miracle? And I would like to look at two different points from this text. One includes marriage, that it's a story about a betrothal between a husband and wife. And secondly, it's that God desired to have the role of a father, an earthly father, to be there for the only begotten Son of God, Emmanuel. Wow, what a task. Why Joseph? For marriage and for fatherhood. 
We look at the beginning of this text that we read from Matthew 1, verses 18 and 19, said, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. This is what Christmas is about. It's about the birth of a child. It's about a family that is bringing forth uh, Jesus Christ. And it says it happened this way, very different than most families and marriages produce children. Unique, once-in-a-time, supernatural happening. It says when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. We learn from this text what a betrothal was then. Uh, some uh, translations use the word that they were engaged to be married, married, and that might mean to us today what engagement means today, but that is not what it meant in the Bible. Betrothal in the Word of God and in this day meant a promise to be husband and wife, and it was legally binding and required a divorce to break it. That's why Joseph is considering how to divorce her, because the pledge of betrothal was legally binding. They were husband and wife, seen as husband and wife by everybody themselves and in the community. Everything except the consummation of the marriage was there. So Joseph, in this state, was committed and firmly determined after finding out that Mary is with child to divorce her but to do it in a way quietly, to do it in a way without stirring up a bunch of noise. How would he do that? He's wrestling with this. And the scriptures say that he was uh, describing Joseph. Again, all of these texts have described the people involved from Zechariah and Elizabeth to who they are, described who they are to Mary, what kind of uh, girl and, and woman she was, to now Joseph. It's describing what kind of man he was, and it says he was a just man. Uh, Some scriptures use the word righteous. He was a righteous man. Uh, The meaning of this is that he was faithful in keeping the law. He was a godly man. The law of God was established by God and holy and was given to be kept. And Joseph is this kind of man. But he is also wrestling with this thing that has happened to his betrothed. He's dreamt of having a beautiful wife. He has worked and he has planned. And uh, the, the family of Mary, the mother and father of Mary, have entrusted him to be that husband. He's living in that dream and that promise. And all of a sudden this happens and he is now in turmoil. Wow. If any of us are in turmoil around Christmas time, think of the turmoil Joseph was wrestling with. This threw a wrench in his plans, and in fact, the plans of Zechariah and Elizabeth, the plans of, of Mary, the plans now of Joseph, it's just not going along with the strength of men's plans. And Joseph is wrestling with that. But he's a just man, he's faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace. He, did, he sought ways to send her away secretly. And he was contemplating this, that he was resolved to do it, 
but to do it in such a way he's trying to figure out how do I keep the just and righteous standards of God's law in this marriage that I'm in, but now my betrothed is found with child, and how do I get out of that uh, in a just and righteous way and still keep the law? You see, the law said that in Deuteronomy 22, what had happened here? We don't know. Joseph is, is be, you know, has a, a betrothal. He has a, a marriage contract. It's legally binding, and Mary's found with child. The, the, the law said in Deuteronomy 22, 22, if a man's found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die, the man who lay with the woman and the woman, so you shall purge the evil from Israel. This might sound harsh, but this is God's view of the holy bond of marriage, that when it's broken in this kind of way, these are the penalties that should come. So is he wrestling with that? Deuteronomy uh, 22 goes on to say in 25 through 27, but if in the open country a man meets a young woman who is betrothed and the man seizes her and lies with her, then only the man who lay with her shall die. This is in a case of forced uh, rape that is happening in the old times and is still happening today. And in verse 26 it says, But you shall do nothing to the young woman. She has committed no offense, punishable by death. So in this case, the woman is not to blame. It goes on and says, For in this case, I want you to hear this from God about how he sees betrothal and marriage and the value of what our, our country no longer values, which is the intimacy of a husband and wife. It says, For this case is like that of a man attacking and murdering his neighbor. That's, that's interesting. That sounds like pretty harsh things. We might not describe uh, things happening this way, but God's holy standards are very different than man's standards and cultures that continue to downplay uh, uh, sexual intimacy. But God actually describes it here for this case is like that of a man attacking and murdering his neighbor. That's how God sees this offense. It says, because he met her in open country, and though the betrothed young woman cried for help, there was no one to rescue her. We see the, the value that God places upon sex and intimacy and where it should be and the violation of that, how God compares that and what he compares it to. Joseph is wrestling with these things. He's wrestling, he's trying to be faithful to God's law, and yet not trying to be vindictive either. Uh, in Matthew one twenty, it says he's considering these things as he considered these things. So he's wrestling with this, and he falls asleep wrestling with this. How do I, how do I resolve this? He's determined to resolve it. He's determined to be just and righteous, and yet do it with God's mercy. How can he be just and yet merciful? How can he obey the law and yet show mercy in this situation? Joseph goes to sleep considering these things. In Matthew 1, 24, at the end of our text, we see that when Joseph woke from sleep, this was the, the condition that he was in. He fell asleep considering all these things. And in this state of sleep, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. 
God is going to help Joseph resolve this issue to be a just man and to show mercy. How is he going to do it? The very first thing that he says to him is that he is the son of David. This angel speaks to him in a dream and he says, Joseph, son of David. Wow, what a greeting. What a, you know, a, a, a title to be had. What a what an identity to be given uh, by this angel. Uh, Matthew 1 is all about this genealogy. Uh, it starts the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David. There's prophecies that a son of David would rule on the throne forever. This is the title uh, given to Joseph. Joseph, you're son of David. You're a descendant in the genealogy of the line of David. Matthew 1.16, as this whole genealogy is listed, it says, and lists all the names, and says the father of so-and-so, and who is the father of so-and-so, who is the father of so-and-so, and all these generations down to Joseph. And instead of saying Joseph, the father of Jesus, it says Joseph, and it changes and says the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. So Joseph is mentioned as the husband of Mary. This routine of father is not listed there. Specifically, Joseph is not the father. We see from the text that the Holy Spirit divinely conceived Jesus. And though Joseph yet is in this text. Why include him? Why convince him? Why this angel speaking to him? Why this genealogy from the son of David if he's not the biological father? And it's because the connection is much deeper within a father than just the biological part that the father offers. Our world and our culture today is saying that's all the fathers offer and that's we don't need them anymore. We can uh, achieve... Uh, children through other means other, rather than needing uh, the Father. But God still sees that He wants a legal, earthly Father to watch over Emmanuel. God with us. God is calling a human Joseph to watch over His only begotten Son, that is conceived of the Holy Spirit. He still considers fatherhood that important that he wants his son to be ruled over by a son of David, a descendant of David. This line in his promise is still very important that he promised that there will be a king that will sit on the throne of his father, David, forever. And he's establishing that in Jesus and in that godly line. And this angel addresses Joseph, Joseph, Son of David. So through, if we think of our own salvation, think of our own salvation. The scriptures say that we come into the family of God through the spirit of adoption. That God adopts us through his spirit. Romans 8 describes this adoption that we are adopted through the spirit of, of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. That deep spiritual intimacy. We're not biologically blood relatives of God anymore. He breathed into Adam and we are descendants of the sin of Adam. And it's only in this new creation in Jesus who's conceived 
of God by the Holy Spirit that we, through faith in him, are adopted into God's family. Spirit of adoption, we cry, Abba, Father. And in this spirit of adoption, Joseph would legally adopt Jesus and care for him as his own and pass on his own lineage as his firstborn son from the house of David to be of the house of David. Joseph would heed this call to be the earthly father of Jesus and he would need some convincing by an angel to come and speak to him. And God saw this that important to include it in his word and to include Jesus having an earthly father. God sees marriage and fatherhood important. Matthew 1, 20 through 23 goes on to say, Joseph, what the angel said to Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall name his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The angel confirms to Joseph that this conception is from the Holy Spirit and to go ahead with this betrothal and this marriage, but wait until after she has the son to consummate the marriage, that a virgin should give birth to Emmanuel. And Joseph did all these things. He obeyed the voice of God through the angel. And, though, and he accepted the responsibility that though he was not the biological father, that he will take on all the other responsibilities of being a father, of what it means to be a father, beginning with giving his, uh, God's only son his name. You shall call him Joseph. This is the responsibility of the father. Even in Zechariah and Elizabeth's case, they, like Elizabeth, you know, you want to call him John? Uh, you know, and they look to Zechariah, you know, because he can't talk. And they're like, uh, there's no John in the family. And Zechariah has to write out, his name shall be John. And he points it because they're looking for the father for the, to pass on that name. And the father does. And then Zechariah can speak when he obeys the voice of the angel fully. And once he says his name is John, he can speak. And this was the responsibility that Joseph had, and he did that. He follows through with that responsibility. And we see this dreamer, this dreamer Joseph. It's interesting that in Genesis, a large portion, even more so than given to Abraham uh, in the story of Genesis, given to this man named Joseph. And this man, Joseph, in Genesis is a dreamer too. And God speaks to this Joseph in the New Testament in a dream. Every time that the scriptures mentioned through Matthew that God is speaking to Joseph, and this is the first text, he speaks to him through an angel in a dream. And in uh, four cases that we see in the first two chapters, God is speaking to uh, Joseph through a dream. He's another dreamer. He carries on that Joseph name of God speaking to him in dreams. We see that he speaks to Joseph to flee Egypt when Herod is trying to kill the baby, the toddler Jesus now, when the wise men come. We see that he tells uh, Joseph and in a dream to now leave Egypt and come back to Israel 
to raise Jesus in, in Israel. But as they're coming back, he speaks to Joseph a fourth time in a dream saying, don't go back to Judea. That was the land of David. That's where they had property. That's where they would have raised Jesus. He specifically warned in a fourth time in a dream to not go there, but to go to the region of Galilee. And that's why Jesus is raised in Nazareth and known as a Nazarene. But God is speaking supernaturally through the Father to lead, guide, direct, and to protect His Son. He uses the role of the Father as an example to us that fathers are still needed in this world to rise up and care for and to protect their family and their children. To be a husband to Mary, it's a role that He gives Joseph to do and to be the legal binding father earthly father of Jesus. This is a, a role that I believe can be some of the greatest joy that we can have in life. You see, marriage was meant to be joy-filled. It was meant to meet the needs of both the man, the husband, and the wife for them to come together In Genesis 2, marriage is established and instituted by God before the fall. Marriage is not some byproduct of some last-minute hope of because of sin. This is established in Genesis 2. It is an idea in the mind of God, not in the mind of any government. It is defined by God, by what he says it is. And no matter what governments or institutions say that it is, it will never change the definition that God established that marriage is. And that is listed in Genesis chapter 2. And the scriptures say that, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were unashamed, not ashamed. The scripture shows that marriage was the idea of God, instituted by God before the fall of man into sin. And Jesus quotes uh, this particular scripture in Genesis 2.24 when asked by the Pharisees in Matthew 19. They came to him and tested him, asking him about marriage and divorce. And they said, is it lawful for, uh, to divorce one's wife for any cause? And Jesus answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning that made them male and female and said to them, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? You guys don't read your Bible? You don't understand what marriage is? And he he goes after the Pharisees on marriage and the sanctity of marriage and how God established and instituted marriage. And Jesus, as he does many things in the Old Testament, he further expounds on it. And in Matthew 19, 6, he says, So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. God establishes marriage uh, to be held in honor. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Joseph was a blessed man to be the husband of Mary. He was called to that role. And Joseph was blessed to be the earthly father of Jesus, to protect and care for Jesus, to lead and guide the family. 
to listen to how God spoke to him and guide his family. Um, The role of the father is still needed, and marriage, according to the rules of the Bible, is still needed in our world today to provide the place to raise children in that kind of atmosphere. Christmas is a story ultimately about a marriage. It's a betrothal between a man and a wife that are coming together. And it's about the, ha- the having and the birth of a son, a child. The Christmas story is supernatural in that sense. And so is marriage. Marriage itself is a mystery. Paul teaches this in Ephesians 5 where Paul quotes this same scripture in Genesis 2. 24, that for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Two shall become one flesh. But he says he's talking about the mystery of marriage, what God meant for marriage to represent, and the meaning of marriage. That it was to reflect the coming together of Christ and his church. So we see Christmas supernatural, not just being Jesus, uh, God, Emmanuel with us, but that Jesus would grow up and be a single man and not marry and not have a family. Is Jesus left wanting? The scriptures in Isaiah kind of cry and almost bemoan this. That Isaiah 53.10 says, Yet he, it was the will of the Lord to crush him, and he was put to grief. When his soul makes an offering for For guilt, he shall see his offspring. Now listen to that. Try to delve into that. Try to let the Holy Spirit touch on what that means. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, that is when Jesus offers himself up on the cross for the guilt of man, he shall see his offspring. What offspring is this? What kind of family? What kind of marriage? What kind of bride could this be that he would see an offspring? He's being killed. He's being offered up. He's being crushed. We see in Isaiah 53. So how shall he prolong his days? How will the Lord see prosperity in his hand? Isaiah 54 continues with this theme about joy. Isaiah 54, 1 through 3 says, Sing, O barren one. How can a barren one sing with no offspring, with no children, with no uh, who did not bear? Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you have been in labor. Been in labor? I've never been in labor. What are you talking about? We're barren. This is the supernatural meaning of family and marriage and what it represents and what it means in Jesus. For the children of the desolate one, the barren one that has no children, shall be more than the children of of she who is married. Now, how can that possibly be? How can you be barren and desolate and have no children but produce more offspring than a married person is producing? It's just... A great deep mystery. And in Jesus, we see the meaning of marriage brought out. We see that in in the parables of Jesus, Jesus talks about marriage. Matthew goes on to show Jesus speaking in Matthew 22, 1, that Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who made a marriage feast for his son. This whole parable is Jesus talking about this king who makes a wedding feast for his son. And all of the symbolism here is God preparing a a wedding feast for his son, who is Jesus. And he tells this parable of people not coming and God being not pleased with that. 
not receiving the Son, not coming, not heeding the call to come and to go out in the streets and the byways and to call people into this great wedding feast because wedding feast is supposed to be crowded and packed and full of life and joy. It is supposed to have this, but it is very uniquely not just an earthly marriage. This is the marriage of Jesus. This is the marriage of the King's Son who is Jesus, this Prince of Peace, this Prince And so we see here that Jesus is the answer to what the meaning of marriage is, and that meaning has to do with his love for the church. And that's what the Apostle Paul gives to the husbands. They are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Isn't that amazing that Jesus saw his offspring From the cross, and Hebrews 12 says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He saw his offspring, much more than biologically getting married and biologically having a bunch of children. He saw that he would bear the guilt of humanity, and his offspring would be from every tribe and every nation and every tongue that has ever spoke that his bride he would die for, and his offspring would weigh way multiply way more than any human marriage could produce even if even within uh, the, um, you know marriage that God established it's just a reflection it's just a tiny reflection of what marriage was meant to be and it has a supernatural spiritual aspect to it and Joseph fits into that story because he ain't the biological father but he's taken on that spirit of adoption to say this is going to be Jesus and he is going to save his people from his sins and I'm going to do my part in that calling and he wakes up from that dream and he does as the angel of the Lord tells him to do this is that profound joy of marriage this last week, Teresa and I got to go Keith, to see Keith and Kristen Getty in Farmington. And Teresa is a great lover of their music. And they were going to be here and coming over from Ireland and doing their Christmas special. And they were going to be in California. And they were going to leap to Farmington, New Mexico. And then leap out to Dallas. And then leap all the way to the Carolinas and head back to the homeland of Ireland. But on this journey, they were going to stop in New Mexico. And Teresa says, calls me one day and says, can we go? They're going to be. And I was like, yeah, try to do it. And it took a lot to do it. (laughs) It was hard and arduous and a six-hour drive there and back and planning and trying to, you know, uh, you know, just make sure everything was taken care of with everybody and all, all the things that you have going on in your life. But it was worth it. It was worth it to see the joy on my wife's face. To see her singing in that crowd as everybody stood and sang the hymns together. It did my heart joy as we purchased some of their music and listened to it back on the way home, that six-hour drive, talking about it together and seeing her weep, but weep with tears of joy. Marriage is about giving yourself up for your wife and seeing the joy on their face, not achieving your own joy uh, for yourself through your own means. There's a greater joy found in seeking the greatest joy of your spouse. What is that? That's what Jesus did. Seeing his offspring, 
seeing the joy set before him, he endured the cross because he saw the joy of our salvation. He saw the joy it would bring his bride that we would be restored to God. And you see, the devil is out to destroy family and marriages. He's there to downplay the role of fathers. He is there to destroy marriage because marriage reflects the image of Christ, love, and joy for his bride, the church. And if he can smash that, he knows he's smashing something of immense value that has much more value than most of us give it uh, the credentials to be. And this day, this time of speaking to Joseph is every bit as important as speaking to Mary and speaking to Zachariah and these other angelic appearances. He wants you to know that this Christmas story of this beautiful little family taking care of this little frail child is the Christmas story. So as we sing hallelujah in the end in Revelation 19 verses 6 through 7, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Amen. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, let us come and adore him. We're going to take communion, and we have these available in the seats in front of you. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, Put your faith in him for the salvation of your soul. You're welcome to join us in communion. In the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks to the Father for it. And he said, this is my body. Take and eat. Do this. In remembrance of me, let us partake together. And in like manner, he took the cup and he said, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood given for the remission of sins. Take. And drink of this, and do this in remembrance of me, and remember my death until I come. Let us partake of the cup together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we take this meal together as your bride, as your body. We realize that we are washed, pure, by the body of Jesus that hung upon the cross, by the body of Jesus that shed his blood for our sins, 
We are your bride, cleansed and made ready for your return. Help us to keep our lamps full of oil. Help us to be ready as your bride for your return, to be looking, ready, and waiting for the return of Christ, our husband and our Lord. Help us to worship you now. Let us come and be your faithful people, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
Please receive this blessing. You are blessed with the love of your heavenly Father. Married, single, without children, with children, you are blessed. This Christmas season, you are blessed by Emmanuel, God with you. You are never alone. In him, you have the constant presence of a loving Father watching over you, guiding your life, married to you in Christ, in union with him. You are blessed in Jesus. Amen. Love one another.